Welcome to the Run for God Run Club, where you will find God in a runner's space. Welcome to the Run for God Run Club. This is your one stop each week to be motivated and inspired to get off the couch and onto the running trail where you can, in turn, inspire others to do the same. Let's learn, laugh, and leap into running together, giving God the glory for what we are able to do in His name. Amen. I am your running host, Dean Thompson, and today we're going to share a story about how well, God's always shaping us, right? And then I'm going to share a story of a guy named Joseph Kittinger. You probably never heard of him, but he has a great story that I think can help us on both our faith journey and our running journey. And joining me to discuss those stories and a whole lot more is Run for God founder, Mitchell Hollis. Thanks for having me, Dean. Well, we're um, we're done with the 5K when this comes out. Yeah. But, I'm sure it was a great weekend. I'm sure it was. I'm because uh, it always is. sitting here today. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, when this comes out, it's it's all it's in the books. Yeah. What is this? The is this the thirteenth year? Thirteenth running of the Run for God five K wow. was formerly the the five K ten K half, and we shortened that to just the five K several years back. But uh, yeah, it's a great weekend. It is for sure. Hey, before we get started, uh, we're not going to talk about a sponsor this week. I want to talk about something a little different. Um, you know, people, every once in a while, they'll ask, hey, how can I help you guys? Well, there's one simple thing you can do to help us out. It doesn't cost any money. It just takes about five seconds of your time. If you're listening to this podcast, this thing's been growing. You know, when we started this 160 episodes ago, we really had no idea what this podcast was going to do. But it has, it's grown. Uh, several months back, we hit our 50,000th download, which was a huge milestone. Uh, but there are some things you can do to help uh, get this podcast out there. You know, we really don't advertise this podcast. But if you're listening right now, hit that share button. You can share, you can copy the link, you can post it on social media, you can text it to somebody, you can email it to somebody, somebody that you think needs to hear this podcast. I would ask you to do that for us. Also, if you're on the um, the Google Play or the Apple platforms, you can go on there and you can leave a review. You can leave a five-star review. If you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything at all. You know, Mom always said that. So we don't need one stars. We don't need the complaints. Just turn it off if you don't like it. But if you like what we're doing here at Run For God, if you like what we're doing here on this podcast, please leave us a review. It helps the – I don't know how it all works, Dean. All the algorithms and all the things in the podcast world. But what it does is is the more reviews, the more stars we have, it boosts us in the algorithms so that if there's a runner out there who, you know, they know who are – or they know who – uh, proclaimed to be Christians by social media and things like that, this will pop up in people's um, podcast feeds as a, um, what do they call it? I, I know I see them on mine, a suggested, suggested podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so if you do those few little things, share it, leave a review, leave a five-star 
uh, review and, and even type something in. I know that helps even more. But if you would do those few things, that would really help this podcast out. We're going to make a, a, a better effort going forward on trying to get this podcast out there because um, while we may not be good at it still, we've <laughs> kind of figured it out. Yeah. You know, we, we understand that this is beneficial for those listening. We have a lot of great content, a lot of great stories, and uh, these stories really help people out. So we want to do a better job of, of pushing this podcast out, and that's how you can help. Yep. And the truth is, is that there are a number of people out there who have a strong faith and are runners who would probably like to hear some of the things we Benefit have to say, as yeah. crazy as that sounds. Yeah. And they don't know about us. Sure. So this would help. So let's see if after episode 160, we get a bump in our numbers. Yeah. Because everybody listening, if you'll do that, if we just, if everybody will just add one more person. We'll get a hundred percent bump. Yeah, we should. Right, that would be awesome. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about our post from last week. This comes from Alice Weeks Rhines. Um, again, another name you see a lot if you pay attention to the postings. And she says, "Thank you, God. This group and the coaching. I have never been in the top twenty before." 17 in age group, 401 of 990 overall in 95-degree weather. If if you are in just the beginning of this year's journey, about to do your first 5K, you have got this. Trust the plan and God and watch out because God is going to do things you didn't even think to dream of, let alone pray for. Perfect conditions, uh, in perfect conditions, 22 was my stretch goal. 94 degrees is not perfect. So I started the race knowing that anything under 28 would be great. Ah, two-mile race PR. Alice Rines finished uh, time 26.14.9. So my question is, I don't know where Alice lives, but where in the world is it 94 degrees already? Man, I guess I that must know. be South Florida. Gotta be. Somewhere out there. Or, Gotta be. Um, I can't imagine it's that warm anywhere. 94 degrees to run any race at any time of the year. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's hot. Yeah. So. Yeah. And if it is in Florida, you know, down in Florida, it's um, it's humid, too. Mm-hmm. So that sure. makes it even, even worse. So, Well, great job, Alice. Yeah. Nice job. Um, yeah. She talks about staying faithful to the plan, basically, right? Yeah. Because um, the plan is there. It's outlined. And if you'll do the plan, you will get mm-hmm. better. Yeah. And um, she's living proof of that. That's the great thing about what we get to have a front row seat to. You know, we... I can't say much about the the personalities in this ministry. You know, Gay, Holly, and Angie are great. Me and you, the verdict's still out. But the plans, the training, Dean, we have tweaked these, and we have argued about them through the years. Mm-hmm. I feel like the plans that are there are just solid and tried and true. And I mean, and I beg people every time we talk, I talk about this to people. Don't try to change it. Yeah. You know, if 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 you do this first one and then you want to change it on ones going forward, great. But we know that for the person starting out, we know that these plans are safe and we know that they're effective. Yeah. And that's that's thirteen years of of tweaking it. And, and they were right in the very beginning, but we've tweaked them through the years just minorly and, and made them better minorly. Is that even a word? <laughs> I don't know if that's a word. We know what you mean. Yeah. That's, what, that's all but, that matters. But that's, it's great to hear that confirmation from, yeah. from people like her saying the plan works. 
don't don't try to change it don't reinvent it don't go to google don't ask your your best friend just stick to the plan and it will work and then you'll have the knowledge under your belt that if you want to do something different or do something to get faster you know those those options are out there they can if they're part of run club they can email you yeah. and say hey I, I did the 5k training i want to do a little bit faster and you'll help them out with with getting that but um it's just great confirmation. It is. It is. Another thing she says here that I think is really important, and, and we kind of already alluded to it, is when it is warmer and when, when conditions mm-hmm. are really poor, it is a good idea to temper your expectations. Sure. I remember being at the Boston Marathon myself several years ago, and it was uh, the temperature got up to 87 degrees that day. Mm-hmm. And so way, way too warm for a, a marathon and um i had an expectation and i didn't come anywhere near my expectation but when i got through um i was i had finished like uh, 311th or something like that overall mm-hmm. um and i thought hey, that's just not good enough well in the years that was my first boston marathon in the couple of times i ran it afterwards I was way further down than mm. that. I actually had had a good race that day. Didn't but, even know it. But because I didn't temper my expectations enough, right. um, it, it was it wasn't obvious. So uh, yeah, that heat, especially heat and humidity, will make you run slower. And they actually have some apps out there now they do. nowadays that will kind of help you. That's true. Temper those expectations. I've never actually used one, but I think you have. You've, you've, I have. I've heard you say that to some of the mm-hmm. the young people. Yep. But uh, yep, yeah, for sure. That's a good point. For sure. Yep. And uh, just a great positive attitude. Well, before we get to this week's trivia answer, let me address one thing from a couple of weeks ago. And I said this on the podcast, and I, I don't know why when I tried to Google. But well, I agreed with you. I was like. Yes. I thought it would be more. Yeah. And so a couple of weeks ago, we said, okay, who's, who's run the most miles in a year? Mm-hmm. And it turned out to be some guy who had run just over 10,000 miles a year. And we thought, ah, that sounds like somebody probably could do more than that, maybe. Um, and it turns out I got an answer for the from from one of our run club members. Yeah. And their answer was somebody else. Mm-hmm. And this person ran 14,000 miles in a year. The person's name is Tertha Kumar Fanny. Um, he's in the Guinness Book of World Records, so you would think you well, think you, Google would have picked that up. Yes, you would, hmm. and it didn't. Uh, but anyway, this guy ran uh, over thirty-eight miles a day from August first, nineteen ninety-six, to July thirty-first, nineteen ninety-seven. Uh, that amount of crazy sounds about right. Yeah, <laughs> thirty-eight miles. That's a crazy. Day. And he did most of this. Apparently, there was one particular road there where he near where he lived, and he ran up and down this road back and forth, like a nine-mile-long road, and he ran back and forth on that road a lot. Um, some of his comments, he said, my feet often ate. Can you imagine? <laughs> really? I, yeah. My shoes got worn out, and I had to buy 20. He went through 28 pairs of shoes in this time. Um, and here's what's interesting is he, he set that record at, uh, right around 38, it was 61.824 kilometers per day. You and said that, that's 14,000 miles? Yes. So that's basically 500 miles on a pair of shoes for every pair. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. So 61.8 kilometers per day he ran. And then in 2006 and 2007, he ran 61.866 kilometers per day. So 
very little difference, but a few more miles. And so he actually did this twice, which is even more impressive. So, um, so, so, so much. So did he? Bro- I guess he broke his record. Again he broke his record. Okay, yeah, he broke he his, broke own, his record. own record. Okay, yeah. So this guy set the record twice, and Google still didn't pick it up. So I'm, I'm a little mad at Google right now. So. <laughs> I think Google may be a little bit better with all the AI stuff going on right now. You know, that, well, when, Google's about to come drop an AI. Google, what do they call it? Um, is it Google AI? I don't. I, don't I think know. we talked about it last yeah, week. Yeah, or whatever week we did that. Ago. Yeah. Well, we also have this week's trivia answer, um, and you were the one who set up last week's trivia. It was kind of the 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 quote of the day or the quote of the week and yeah. the trivia question and mm-hmm. you said who said this and so so the the question was who made this quote and the quote is who's to say if the boy would be happier with your way or mine why not let them decide and then the other person says no i'm afraid it doesn't work that way you can't let a young person decide for themselves. They'll grab at the first shiny thing with ribbons on it, and then when they find out there's hooks in it, it's too late. Wrong ideas come packaged with so much glitter that it's hard to convince them that other things might be better in the long run. All a parent can do is say, wait, trust me, and keep them away from temptation. And that was Andy Griffith that said that. Uh, I am a... I have seen every Andy Griffith episode multiple times. My grandfather, my grandfather, always reminded me of Andy Griffith. Kind of looked like him. Had the dark black hair all the way up until he died. Um, but this is where Andy was talking. Uh, a homeless man had come into town, and he was he was um, getting the young kids, Opie, and the young kids to steal food for him. So, like, if there was a pie sitting in a window of the lady next door's house, the kids would go get the pie, and, and they were playing Robin Hood, you know, yeah. taken from the the wealthy and given to the poor. And so when Andy confronted him, this is this is the dialogue that took place. And uh, I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm old-fashioned. I'm yeah. an old soul, and, I you know, I just love these sentiments that, you know, we need to hear this more and more nowadays um, when it and comes we, to our kids. And we see a lot of this these days, and not just with our kids, but a lot with our kids. Sure. Where, uh, yeah, I remember when I was a kid and I used to, we used to go into, whenever we went into any store, my, father, my mother would, always had the same comment. What, as we were walking into the doors, don't touch anything, <laughs> yeah. right? Mine did the same thing. <laughs> don't touch anything. And so, Because I was like a... A bull in a china shop. Yeah, and you want to reach out and touch stuff. Yeah, just, just even sometimes just to touch it, right? Yeah. Just because she said don't. Well, that's part of it too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But anyway, the thing is, is once you get that thing in your hands, mm-hmm. it's a lot harder to get out of your hands. Sure. Once you've tasted a little bit of that thing, a lot of times, and so once these kids got this feeling of I'm doing a good thing, mm-hmm. I'm helping this homeless man. Mm-hmm. This is a good thing. Mm-hmm. And they got this feeling that was that was a good thing. And it was hard to pull them back from that because they were convinced. And that's the shiny ribbon. It's that's this right. is good. But they, right. the shiny ribbon also all, often takes your distraction away from your stealing. That's yeah. Period. Yeah. And so yeah. You yeah, know you, you mentioned here a few weeks ago the idea of um sharing passwords. 
sharing a Netflix password, I think is what yeah. you were talking about, right? Yeah. And so, um, yeah, we, we justify that by saying, well, you know, the, the person whose account that was, he's able to put that on six different TVs, or whatever the number is. I don't know what it is, but, you know, that's so he's not using all of those at one time. And so he's paying for it. So it's not a big deal. Yeah. And he's just sharing with me. But that's not the way it was intended to work. And we know that. <laughs> But we justify it in our head. Yeah, but then there's like YouTube TV. YouTube TV says we don't care. You've yeah. got five devices, whatever, and that, that's that's great. And so we're not we're not jumping on people that share Netflix passwords because, full disclosure, Good up point. until about a month before that podcast where we talked about that, I was using my neighbor's password. You know, it's one of those things. It's it's that shiny thing. Everybody does it. No one cares. It's it's just it's just a Netflix password. But it's wrong. Well, uh, there is no gray area. It's it's either right or it's wrong. And so well, I'm not I'm not throwing mud at people that do that because I did it until just recently and I got convicted that I shouldn't be doing that. So I I stopped. And that's up to each individual to decide. It is. It is. But I had a conversation yesterday, day before yesterday, with uh, some athletes. What they've been doing is they've been stalking somebody on Strava. And what they're doing, and that person on Strava is doing really well. And so now they're they're convinced because they've stalked them on Strava that the the training that they're doing is better Mm. than what than what they're doing, Mm -hmm. and because what they're doing is different from Mm -hmm. what that other person is doing, and so they're convinced that. And of course, again, it's a shiny thing, right? Mm -hmm. I want to run that fast, and if I do what she's doing, I can run that fast. But that's not the way it works. And the truth is, is that other person, probably with the same training these girls were doing, will probably be just as fast as she is doing this other training. And I tried to explain to them how it all works together anyway. it was. But the idea is we see something that's not what we have, sure, and we want that thing. Well, that's, it's, it's why we say, did I, did I just say, I'm, I'm forgetting what I just said since we started this podcast. I know I've said it recently. It's why, yeah, it was just a few minutes ago. We said stick to the plan. Don't go to Google. Don't ask your best friend. Stick to the plan because that is the temptation is there's always something better. And when you, if you're doing the run for God plan and then you go to Google, well, you're going to find something different on Google. And it could be just as effective. And then your best friend may be doing something different that could be just as effective. But when you start trying to put all those things together, when you try to reinvent the wheel because you've got this secret, you're going to take a little bit of all this, you wind up with something that's worse oftentimes. Mm-hmm. And and we've seen this coaching so many times over through the years. Yeah. You know, I, I had a lady that I was coaching one time, and, and she just kept throwing Google at me. And I was mm-hmm. like, you know, I, ne- I never said this, but I wanted to say, you know, you might just need to let Google do your training. Yeah. Um, and 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 that's – kind of tongue-in-cheek but it's it's it i was serious you yeah. know it's you gotta you gotta pick a path and yep. and go you can't be constantly second guessing yourself because that's just that's just no way to live that's right pick a route and go yep you need to be confident in what you're doing all right uh as always we are sponsored by j radio 
While you are working hard to keep your body in shape physically, the music you listen to while you run can help keep you in shape spiritually. We have partnered with J Radio to put together a group of running playlists by Mitchell, Lane, Holly, me, and others that you hear on the Run Club podcast. Plus, you can listen to a playlist put together by members of Run Club just like you. Check out the whole station of Run for God playlist now at jradio.com and in the J Radio app. All right, we're back in uh, Thursday nights. We have some fun on Thursday nights. If you're not tuning in on Thursday nights to our live session, you should do that because we, I think we have some fun. I think we have some interesting topics. Um, and sometimes those things are very, very, very instructional from a running standpoint. I know we've talked about, for example, running form in the past. Mm-hmm. That's very, very technically instructional. And then we've done kind of a Bible study where we, yeah. we talked about running a little bit, but it's mostly let's talk about, you know, how we can grow our faith and get better sure. at our faith rather than our running. And so uh, a little bit of everything. So tune in on Thursday nights if you're not doing that. You can go in and you can catch those afterwards, mm-hmm. and they are on the the app. Really easy to get to and check them out. So uh, don't miss those, even if you're catching them later. But if you're there live, you can ask questions, mm-hmm. and sometimes that's pretty cool. So also don't forget to submit your stories. Runforgod.com. Go to submit your story, and we need to hear your stories. Sure. The stories on here are fantastic, and we couldn't do this podcast without them. And so they're very, very important to what we do. So please, 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 you have a story. If you haven't shared it yet, it's time. Yeah. It's time to share it. Well, here's a topic we haven't talked about in a while. <laughs> Smiling while you run. Right? It, it, it is so effective. It works. Mm-hmm. It absolutely, absolutely, 100% works. You can feel it. If you are if you are in a just kind of in a mood, if you're just and you just force yourself to smile, you can literally feel it run through your body. Have you ever done that before? Because I yeah, have. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, where, where you know I'm kind of feeling miserable, and and so, or maybe it's even I see something that makes me laugh, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden it's like my whole body. It's almost like t- a tingling sensation. Well, it changes your attitude, even yeah. if it's fake. I, it's funny we're bringing this up because I think it was just yesterday I was listening to the radio, and they the radio station I listen to some you know they have these they'll throw these questions out and then have people call in. And the question I think it was just yesterday was name something that is really weird, um, saying with an angry voice. And people were calling in and saying things like "Happy Birthday," you know. And it's, but the point being, the reverse side of it is, there's some things you just won't say or think when you're smiling. You know, yeah. think about trying to to give somebody down the road when you're smiling. You, yeah. You're going to stay away from that, even if it's fake. It's, it doesn't fit. So if you just stay smiling, it, it'll keep you out of the gutter. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And we, and we know that even if you force your, you force a smile and it's fake. It still releases into it. One of the girls on the track team, and she also runs cross country, it was Litsy, um, a few track meets ago. My job, because every once in a while I'll say, can I help, can I time, can I call splits, whatever. She said, just remind me every time I come around to say, Litsy, are you smiling? She asked me to do that. That's awesome. And because she knows the important. Now, Litsy usually always is smiling. Now, if she's hurting really bad, that that smile 
turns down some, but she wanted she wanted to keep that in mind while she was running a race. So Smart girl. I did. I yelled, just keep smiling the whole time. Smart girl. Well, I remember the guy. He was a triathlete several years ago, and when I was going and part of the the triathlon team going to nationals every year, I'd see him mm-hmm. and um, Dar Smith, right? Yeah. Was his yeah. name. And uh, he just smiled all the time. I remember the first time we went, and I didn't know who he was. And you said, watch him. Watch yeah. him. He's, he'll be smiling. Yeah. Sure enough, he came around with this big grin on his face. He's leading the race. He's sure. running sub-five-minute pace for 5K at the end of a triathlon, and he's grinning. Yeah. Now, you know it hurt. Yeah. You can't run that fast without hurting, but that's what he did. Well, I saw your notes here, and I, I saw a text, and I took a screenshot of your notes here, and I, I sent it to him this morning, and he got a kick. He's actually in London doing a race right now. Is he really? Yeah, and he really got a kick out of it. But yeah, I mean, and you say it, you you know, you didn't remember his name, yeah, but you remembered his smile. Yep. That, that was memorable about Dar. It wasn't the poor attitude that he had because he didn't whatever. Yep. You remembered the, the smile on his face, and and, and Dar's a he's a child of God. I mean, he's he's yeah. chasing after God all day, every day. Uh, he's just a, a shining example of what it means to be a Christ-like person in that sport. But that's what we remembered, and that's that's who we are to be as children of God. Is we need to be remembered for those things, not your bad attitude when you because you're going to shine one or two of those things. Yeah, you're going to shine one of two. You're either gonna be, you're either gonna to show your true colors and and um, have a good attitude, or you're gonna be dark and you're gonna come through the finish line smiling, even though you're in agony inside. You're smiling and you're gonna you're gonna set that example. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, our uh, story this week comes from somebody we all know and love. Shannon Coker, mm-hmm. and um, he's got some words of wisdom and some words of encouragement for everybody. His story is called God is in the Long Run. I have been a member of Run for God since its inception. I'm a determined runner. To shed some light on this, I don't run every day, but I do try something that will make me a physically and spiritually healthy person each day and run at least every other day. I average about 15 to 20 miles each week unless I'm training for a half marathon and, of course, run more. As I reflect on my last three big races I have run, I needed some changes. Our church was called into 21 days of fasting and prayer. Wow, God sent me an answer. There were a lot of things I could do with food, but prayer and focused Bible study I could not live without. My 21 days of fasting and prayer started in late January after the Cannonball Half Marathon and before the Big Beach Race. I ran the Half Marathon in Gulf Shores. Gay and I started the 21 days of fasting and prayer together. Our fasting was omitting red meat and sugar from our diets. God has been doing a lot through this change, so we continued past the 21 days. I have started journaling and reading a Bible study more. I am currently reading a book by Max Lucado, Cast of Characters, Common People in the Hands of an Uncommon God. I know eating cleaner has helped me feel better and run better. This I am very excited about. I have less aches and pains as well. We are eating many more vegetables and natural foods. 
My last race was the Raccoon Mountain 10K. Yes, that last word is mountain. Miles three and four were straight up, but I conquered and beat those hills. I want you new runners and walkers to find your encouragement and utilize it as much as you can. That could be in your diet friends, family, or even the Run for God podcast. You can find encouragement, prayer, and a powerful lot of blessing here at Run for God. I am 61 years old now and have had highs and lows in my life. No matter what your challenge is or what your journey, what journey you're on, I am here to encourage you and pray for you. Yes, we can. Psalms 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. God will stir up and show up in some unbelievable places. Romans 8.37 says, We are more than conquerors. My second hobby is wood carving after camping. When I take a square block of wood and make a seasonal item, an animal or a mushroom, you can see it take shape. God is continually shaping me and knocking off my square edges, just like those carvings. In closing, may God give you many chances to wear the Run for God shirt and be a witness to open a door. As I saw on a race banner recently, dream the impossible, do the incredible. A quote from Oswald Chambers, an English Bible teacher. I have to say I believe in God in order for my life to be under his eyes. Be blessed, Shannon Coker. Hmm. Shannon's just a walking Run for God advertisement isn't he he is <laughs> he is he's uh just an incredible guy and determined i mean he said up in the in the beginning he's determined he is yeah uh shannon rarely lets things stop him from from getting a run in i've i've seen him running in some pretty harsh conditions you know they get gay obviously works with us his wife um everybody knows gay this is this is gay's husband that wrote this and uh so they just live down the road from us and i've i've seen him running in some pretty gnarly oh, yeah. conditions before and um that's just a testament to who he is yep 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 and and he doesn't worry so much about you know, a lot of people out there worry about how fast or how slow they are. Mm-hmm. You know, Shannon just gets out there and does it. He's sure. not the fastest guy, and that's okay. And yeah. he knows it's okay. And he posts. I, I love his posts because he always the, – the posts are rarely about the run. Yeah. It's it's what God showed him on the run. Mm-hmm. You know, it could be a, a rainbow or a deer crossing the road or a cow or, you know, they've got cows where they run out a lot. Yeah. And uh, so he's always finding – he's always trying to find what God's trying to show him. Through the run, yeah. which is what it's all about. Absolutely. It really is. Well, do you think he's taking a shot at us when he says, even the Run for God podcast? Yeah, well, we're, yeah. <laughs> but I'll have to remind him, he's been on this podcast. So That's true. He's part of the Run for God podcast. <laughs> that is true. Uh, I think he meant that in only the most positive ways. It was all in love. Absolutely. Uh, and it sounds like that uh, 21 days of prayer and fasting went really well for a lot of people in your church. It did. I yeah, I mean, that was that was something we did as a church, and, and I did it. And, uh, you know, I'm sitting here drinking my coffee. The last time we did it. Uh, of course, we gave up sugar. We, we, it's kind of it's kind of the Daniel fast that a lot of people in our church will do. And so, because of that, two years ago, I stopped putting creamer and sugar or creamer and Splenda is what I used to do in my coffee. And uh, when the fast was over, I put Splenda and creamer in my coffee, and it was horrible. Oh. It's like I got used to drinking black. So now, that's how I went to just black coffee is yeah. because. I did away with that and realized it's better without it. Yeah. You know, you yeah. should try it sometime, Dave. I put honey in mine. But you drink tea. 
Yeah, I do drink tea. Yeah, yeah, but I put honey in my tea as a sweetener. Yeah, because um, I mean, see, I've tried that with coffee. You don't like it? Mm -mm. No, I've tried the. um, You know, some people put butter in their coffee. Have you ever heard that bullet? Is it bulletproof coffee or whatever? That's terrible too. Just give me black coffee. (laughs) I just don't like coffee. Psalms 46.10, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. I think we know what it means to be still and know that he is God. But I think it's interesting that this is attached to these next two sentences. You know, he says, I will be exalted um, among the nations and in the earth. I think what God is saying here is you need to slow down and recognize that that first part, be still and know that I am God, that it's about slowing down and recognizing that that means everything. That in the end, it doesn't matter whether you believe it or not, it's still a fact. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think that, you know, when you talk to somebody who's a non believer, particularly somebody who may be hostile to believers, um, you know, that they're, they feel like they're using logic and reason. Well, if you'll slow down, if you will be still, and you'll really dig into it. We've seen it over and over again. Um, what's the guy's name the, that, that had the movie about him? It's escaping me right now. But he went in to try to, to, try to prove God's not real. Mm. And in the yeah. end... Uh, this has happened over and over again. In the end, he found out that God is the case and, for Christ. Yes, yeah, and and God's going to be exalted one way or the other. Even in this crazy world and some of the crazy things that we've got going on, God is going to win in the in the end. It's period. That's it. Yeah, you know we've we've talked on here a lot, or I've mentioned a lot that for the past several years. I mean, this is where God is has been working on me the most. Peace, you know, being still and. You're right. I will be exalted among the nations. What that is saying is there is nothing we can do to derail that. Mm-hmm. And there is nothing we can do in our own strength to add to that. Mm-hmm. Now, that may seem harsh when I when you hear me say it, but hear what I'm saying. There's nothing we can do in our own strength to help that or to hurt that. Like you said, it's a fact. So why do we get worked up? You know, it, it, that person's just not listening. Well, maybe they're not listening because of the way you're saying what you're saying right now. You're all worked up. And sometimes peace, God is the prince of peace. So many times it's it's us just closing our mouth and sitting back and not trying to do that will shine Christ the brightest. Mm-hmm. You know, I, as of when this comes out, Holly and I are leaving for a meeting tomorrow mm-hmm. for for something that could be humongous for this ministry, mm-hmm. um, and and it's it's exciting. And I think I mentioned this in last week's podcast. I just I want to number one. I feel like it's God's plan, but mm-hmm. in my power, I want to do. I want yes. let's. let's Let's get this. And we talked about Angie sitting over here saying, proceed with caution. I mean, she's the voice of reason at that table a few weeks ago. 
But even that, something that we know God is is planning or something that God is doing. You know, David Hendricks always said, I want to find where God is moving and I want to go there. But so many times we want to find where God is moving and go there and we want to help him out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's, and it's, and it's, it, the motivation behind it is well placed and it's good. But God don't need us to help him out. Yeah. Just just do what he says to do in that season. And because he's going to be exalted either way, but for whatever reason we get in our head, well, I can I can help him be exalted more. Yeah. And that just causes consternation, it causes a lack of peace. I mean, think about it. You're 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 trying to go against what the God of the universe is saying. There's no peace in that. There's no ease in that. Just just do what God's saying and and no less but no more. Yeah. That's where we get hung up because we think we're better Christians because we're going to do more. Yeah. God doesn't want you to do more. He wants you to do what he says to do. Yeah, it's all about it's all about how you act. It's like um I don't know if this is a good analogy or not, but when you when it comes to running or walking, we can know that running is good for us. We can know that walking is good for us. But until we experience it, it doesn't mean anything. We can know, we can read the Bible and know that God is good for us, but until we really experience him, and mm-hmm. the only way we do that is by doing his will, um, then you you don't get it. You can't get it. Yeah. And he, that, I think that's the key. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like, I, I, I try to put this, and I'm sitting here thinking of the coach athlete, you know, God's the coach, we're the athlete. It would be kind of like, you know, one of your athletes, one of your college girls, showing up and, and she's just really been helping and you're so proud of her but she shows up one day and she's she's got a new workout written out and she said okay coach we're gonna do this workout today yeah <laughs> how crazy does that sound but that's exactly what we do so many times yeah. with god look god i got this i got it all under control just trust me yep yeah, yeah. <laughs> i do that too many times yeah <laughs> Romans eight thirty seven. We are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. You know, in context, this verse um, seems to say that again, no matter what happens, we we win in the end. Mm-hmm. But not only do we win, more than conquerors means you know when you think about what what does it mean to win? Well, to win means you know you wind up on the on the the good end of things. But it's more than that. Not only do we win. But there is much more after the win. It's like it's an overwhelming victory. Yes, yes, and it's not just that you you know the the enemy is routed. It's to me what this is saying is it's it's sort of like you know if you win, our college girls have won the conference championship. That's great. They win the conference championship, and then you know by two days later, eh. Everything's worn off of it. It felt good. It was really cool. It was a great accomplishment, but it's done. It's over, and we're looking forward. Mm-hmm. Um, what God, I think, is saying is, you win that, you win that championship, and then the bless. It's like that day lives forever. Mm-hmm. It's the same feeling from now on, mm-hmm. and ah, that's just a glorious thought. Hebrews twelve thirteen, make straight the paths for your feet, so what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. Hmm. You know, my Bible titles this section "Renew Your Spiritual Vitality." Um, 
and and I think that's I think we we a lot of people will read this verse out of context, and they'll read it out of context by saying, "Make straight your paths for your feet," which means um, God's going to make things easy for me. No, that's mm-hmm. that's not what it's saying. It's not what it's saying. What it's saying is is that um, when things are overwhelmingly tough, He's going to gently get us back on on path when when things aren't going well he will help us get back to him if we'll focus on him um and and i think that's important for us to to understand that path straightening doesn't mean making the path easy it just means it's obvious where we need to go to follow it right you can see the path because God's made a very clear path for us in His in His Word. It's very clear what it takes to follow Him, and that's that's what we, that's all we have to do. Yeah, right. Good word. How about this question? What is a good way to motivate yourself in the new year? I've talked about this before. Goals are great. I mean, that's the obvious answer to this. Sure, but systems are better. Mm-hmm. Um, it's good to have a goal, but you need to have a system. So my, for example, I've mentioned uh, several times here in the past, I run every day. That's a goal, to run every day. My system is I've already decided when I get up I'm running today. It's not a me- I don't have to wonder whether I'm going to do it. My system is that um, I'll, I will fit it in and I think about that early, and I, I decide where I'm going to fit it in during the day, and I do. Um, you know, there, there's lots. You know, another example might be food. Um, we don't keep junk food in our house. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what that does? That prevents me from eating junk food, mm-hmm. right? If you don't have it in the house, that's a system. Your goal is don't eat junk food. The system is don't have it in your house. And are you going to stumble every once in a while when you're outside of your house? Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. But you've eliminated a huge portion of the opportunity for you to eat that that junk food by putting a system in place that prevents you from doing it. It's kind of it kind of goes back up to that last scripture because I almost said something and I didn't on the Hebrews twelve thirteen make straight your paths for your feet so that the main lame may not be dislocated but rather healed. It's kind of that same thing, you know. Is is taking the junk food out of your house? Does that make it? easier not really it just makes it to where you don't stumble if 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 you love chocolate donuts it's not going to make the craving for chocolate donuts go away it's just going to make that path straight so that it's more easy to resist that temptation and i think I think what that verse is saying, make straight your path for your feet so that the lame man will be dislocated is we're all lame <laughs> We're, we're we're all sinners and we're all subject to um, the temptation of sin. And I think what that verse is saying, and it kind of comes down to to what you're saying in this question, is sometimes we need to we need to put things in place. We need to put guardrails in place. If you if you have a problem, if you have a sweet tooth, take the sweets out of your house. If you have a um, an issue with what you're doing on your phone, give your wife all your passwords. If it, there's every instance, making straight our paths is not doing away with the temptation. It's making it to where the temptation doesn't conquer us. Mm-hmm. And that's just being a good follower of Christ because he says it in Hebrews here. 
Mm-hmm. Make straight those paths. Get all the junk out of your way. It's kind of like if you were going into surgery and you knew you were going to be in a wheelchair for six months and you got steps going into your house, what are you going to do before you go into surgery? Yeah. You're going to build a ramp. Mm-hmm. Is that going to make it easier to push that wheelchair? No. You're still having to push the wheelchair. But you don't have to deal contend with steps. Yeah. And so I think I, I, that's a little convoluted, I know, but um, I it's, it's just now, putting but... things in place that help us along our walk. Yeah, that's good. Another question. Time in God's eyes and his love will encourage you to think good thoughts. How can you spend more time looking through God's eyes? I think a lot of times it's looking back at the times that we did look through God's eyes, the times we did do what he calls us to do. This is where I say, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. You, you got to look back and see where God's worked in your life and, and replicate what you were doing in those times. And, and often it's we were spending time in God's word so that we could recognize what God was about to do or what he was asking us to do because we were close enough to hear him. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's always encouraging to look back and and look at those times and say, okay, that's that's what I need to do again and again and again. Yeah, I, I look at this, too, as um, running. Running is very simple. Mm-hmm. It's a very simple thing to do, um, but it's not easy, right? And I look at our time in the Word, looking back at those things, it's very simple to look back and to see those things, to Mm -hmm. see those markers. And it was very simple for the Israelites to look back and recognize that they're following this pillar of cloud. Mm -hmm. You know, the Red Sea was parted. And, you know, it's very simple to do that. But for some reason, it's really hard for us to do that because of our human nature. And um, that's... Running simple, but it's hard. Getting into uh, daily Bible study and, and really being close to God, simple, but hard. But here's the thing. When, when it comes to our running, what do we do? Well, we just make ourselves do it. We just do it. We just go out and do it. It's on the schedule. We do it. If we'll do the same thing with our time with God, then we'll get the, the, the similar result. Right? And, and simple is the key word. It's... <laughs> I'm probably overly simple a lot of times in my life, but it's our nature, and I, I don't understand this. It's our nature to complicate things. Mm-hmm. And because let me let me ask you a question. I don't know the answer to this. I hope I know the answer to this. So this is example is going to fall completely flat. But I'm sure that there are workouts that you do today that you have done for years. Mm-hmm. A session. Mm-hmm. Yasso 800s. I would say that is probably one of your benchmark workouts that you've done for years. Mm -hmm. Why? Because it works. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's simple, and it works. But our nature is, just like we talked about at the beginning of the podcast, oh, I read something today Mm -hmm. that says Yasso 800s it in the best way. It's this new shiny thing. Yep. Andy Griffith talked double about double threshold runs right now. Double threshold, yeah. I mean, and I'm not saying double threshold runs are are bad, but the verdict's still out. Right. Y'all saw 800s. Been around a long time. Years of proof that that works, and you know we deal with this with young athletes, mm-hmm. especially. Gosh, I mean, 
I had to give a vivid example to one athlete just recently that what you know works. Yeah. And but that's that's not our nature. And keep it simple. You're right. Prayer. Reading God's word. I don't care what chapter. I don't care what verse. It doesn't have to be a specific plan. God's word will speak to you when you read it. Mm-hmm. And shining God's light wherever you go. It keep it simple. Yeah. But society says eh, that's not the best way. Yep. You need to complicate it. No, no, you don't. You know. Now we can go off on a tangent on that. Oh, that's good stuff. Last question. How can you live for God in a way that God shapes your life to the point that others around you will feel God? It's an interesting question, worded very interestingly. Of course, you know, it goes back to that standard quote of preach the gospel and when necessary use words. The You know, it's, it's uh, living in such a way that people see the joy in you. Mm-hmm. Um, we've talked about smiling. I've had people say before, I remember one time a lady introducing me to her husband and saying, you know, this is the guy that he, we see him all the time smiling when he's running. And you know, that's had an impact. Sure. She thought about that. She saw that, and, and it had an impact on the way she – and so looking at that, they're looking at me and going, man, I, wanna, I want some of that, <laughs> right? And that's the idea behind helping others to understand is when people see – how important God is to us, first of all. Mm-hmm. Um, how our faith not only shapes us, but um, defines who we are. Um, and, and in the long run, we are happy because of that. Mm-hmm. We are content. We are um, joyful. Mm-hmm. And when people see that, people look at it and go, I want some of that. It makes an impact. That's right. Yeah, there's a... Um on the construction side of, of what I do, there's a a particular guy we do some business with, and uh, I don't know, a few months ago, I, this it's a guy we depend on for a certain aspect of, of the construction business, and this guy just started being unresponsive, just you couldn't get him, he wasn't doing his work, and it's just not like this. He's a professional guy, owns his own business, and uh, and it just started getting worse and worse and worse, and then... Um, I started getting suspicious. Some, some, something's going on. And uh, then all of a sudden, his phone's turned off, and he is MIA just completely. Mm-hmm. And so he has a, a kind of a partner that lives in another town, and I don't really know him that well. But I called the guy, and he's like, oh, he's you know just going through some things. Well, I, I just got pretty almost demanding with the guys. Like, look, this guy's a he's a friend. Um, I'm not trying to get a hold of him to read him the right act for not getting these things done that we need yesterday. Yeah. I'm really worried about him. Yeah. And so um, he told me what was going on, and, and this guy was struggling with alcohol. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've got a – I have a past with that, mm-hmm. and not me personally, but my father. Mm-hmm. And um, so he had checked himself into a rehab facility, and uh, so I, I started texting him. You know, I got I got his new phone number. And uh, just started texting him, and, and we had lunch yesterday, and I, I could tell he, he came to that lunch kind of with his guard up because Mitchell's going to be upset because 
I'm 45 days late on getting. I mean, he you could tell he came ready to man, defend I, himself. Yeah. yeah. And I started with how are you doing? Yeah. And we really dug into the alcoholism, and I shared with him about, about my dad. I had already sent him the, the podcast where he gave Dad eulogy. And, um, but I was really concerned about him. Yeah. And we never talked business until he brought it up. Yeah. And he's like, man, I, you know, whatever. I, I think God laid that on my heart that I, I was, I, we, the stuff we've been waiting on, we really, really need it. Yeah. But I knew that I think God lays on our hearts, put the person before performance. Yeah. And the performance will come. But I know this guy's getting lambasted by a lot of other people just like me. Yeah. But we've got to be Christ. We need to be different than everybody. It didn't change the fact that I need those things we've been waiting on. But I think he saw, I hope, that he saw Christ when he's not seeing much of it in his life right now. And it's not a pat on my back. It's it's this is what God showed me that I think needs to be replicated from believers like us. And um, that's kind of going to the question, how can you live for God in a way that shapes your life to point others around you um, to feel God? And my hope is that that guy felt the love of Christ yesterday. And I'm sure he did. Do you struggle with motivation to exercise? Are you looking for something that will challenge you and inspire and motivate you? The Run for God Run Club is just what you need to get off the couch and on your way to a fitter, healthier you. Stop trying to get into better shape and do it with the help and inspiration of thousands of others who are going through the same challenges you face. Whether you are participating in the Couch to Marathon Challenge or any of our other challenges, or you're just looking for a daily pick-me-up to get active, join the Run for God Run Club today. You can join for as little as 27 cents a day. So what are you waiting for? Get started today at runforgod.com. We're back. Let's talk about warming up and cooling down. Mm-hmm. You know, that's one of those things that uh, some people don't do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen people who just, they show up for race day and they get on the line and they just start running. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's not necessarily the best thing to do, is it? No. Um, I, I think that there's always a question of how much do we need. Most people underestimate the amount of warm-up that they need. Um, when should you warm up? Well, do you have to warm up for every run? Not necessarily. Depends on how you attack that run. Mm-hmm. If you're just going out for an easy four-mile run, you should be able to just start off at a pace that's comfortable enough that you got kind of get loosened up as you go. Um, if you were to look at my Strava, you'll notice that my first mile is almost always my slowest mile mm. for that reason, because I don't typically do anything else to warm up, and I use that first mile to warm up. But if I'm going to be running fast, I'm going to do more than sure. that. And so um, so what what is it that we, that we do? Here, here's one thing that, that I think is important to understand. 
let's say you're going to run, let's say you're going to run a mile race versus a half marathon race. What's the difference in those two warmups? The fa- in general, the faster you're going to run, the longer your warmup needs to be, and and vice versa. Yeah, it's kind of the shorter you're going to run. The longer your warm-up needs to be. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because it's going to be more intense. Sure. And the, like we always like to say, the, the engine needs to be hotter. You need to be at sweating the at the start line is that's, what we used to tell the kids. That's right. Yeah. Yep, yeah, yeah, for that for that short stuff. Now, so it takes me 45 minutes to warm up to run an all-out mile. Um I do. I, it takes me five minutes to warm up for a marathon. Yeah, you know. So um, that that's the difference between the two. So I thought I'd maybe talk about it a little bit. Here, here's what I like to do. If I, let's say I'm going to run a five k. Here's my warm up. I'm going to I'm going to jog, run two miles, mm-hmm. nice and easy. Um, sometimes in the middle of that two miles, I'll stop, and sometimes at the end of that two miles, depends on how I feel that day. I'll stop and stretch, and my stretching is static stretching, and there are people out there that will tell you that's a waste of time, and I don't care what they say. (laughs) It works for you. It works for me, and it makes me feel better, and so I always do static stretching before any race. And um, again, I think think that's an individualized thing. Now, I'll also do some dynamic drills and things because that will increase my range of motion a little bit more than the stretching will. Um, specifically to the running, but I'll do that, and then um, when I get through that, I like to I like to change my shoes ten to fifteen minutes before race time. Mm-hmm. Um, I also like to take a, usually while I'm changing my shoes, I'll take a, like a gel, something with some sugar in it, and I'll take that while I'm changing my shoes. And the reason why I wait to change, but I see a lot of people that they come, basically they come to the race, they start warming up in their racing shoes. I love the feeling of changing those shoes mm-hmm. at the last minute. It makes you feel faster, right? Um, and so I, I wait to change those shoes. And then the other, the other thing that I do, of course, I'll get in some strides mm-hmm. beforehand and that the, the number depends on how loose or how tight I feel. And I always like to have on one extra piece of clothing. Doesn't matter. It, it can be. I've been at races where it's 85 degrees and I've still got a T-shirt on over the top of my singlet warming up because I like that feeling of right at the last minute pulling that shirt off mm-hmm. and just feeling lighter and cooler. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I, that's just kind of a thing that I always do. It makes me feel better. So that's kind of my warm-up. Yeah, I think I, another thing we used to that I used to work with the tri-team on is – I always made them write their warm-up down. You know, these kids, because I think routine is important. You obviously have a routine. You just you set it off the top of your head. Well, yep. young people, people new to the sport, they haven't really figured out their routine and what works. And just like you said, static stretching works for you, but it may be dynamic stretching for somebody else. Find what works for you. And I'm going to say, I'm going to take a step and say, write it down. Yeah. Because that really shouldn't change. Mm -hmm. You know, it gives you routine. It kind of calms you down. Routine is comforting. It is. Um, Write it down and go through that before your race. But you don't need to figure this out on race day. (laughs) You need to figure it out in your workouts leading up because that's a great time to test things. You know, you take a gel 15 minutes before. Some people, that would wreck their stomach. That's right. So you don't need to do that. Um, But as far as the, the warming up and why we do it, 
I've used this example so many times through the years. If you've ever watched the Tour de France and they have time trial day, and time trial on the Tour de France is about 10 miles. It's, I mean, it's literally 15 to 20 minutes of racing. Yeah. I mean, these guys are absolutely flying. But if you ever watch, they know exactly what time they're going off. And so for an hour before that time trial, they'll put the camera on them and they're they're in their aero position they're on a stationary trainer and they are just pouring sweat i mean they're getting their rpms up their heart rate up they're you would think they're in the time trial for their warm-up yeah and the reason is they got to get that engine hot and we always say you need to be sweating at the start line because it it does two things it serves two purposes number one it's going to reduce injury Mm. you know if if we always use the example, you know, our, our our muscles and ligaments and tendons are kind of like a rubber band. If you take a rubber band out in the cold and you just start pulling it, you're going to break it. Well, that mm-hmm. that's really a good illustration for us, yep. our our bodies. We we need to get the blood flowing, warmed up because it reduces injury. But also, it is very hard, and I'm even going to take a step and say it's impossible for a period of time to get your body to go, because if you're trying to PR, let's say, let's say you're doing a 5K and you're going to try to run the fastest one you've ever ran, you can't get your body to run efficiently in that first half mile as if you had already ran a couple miles. Mm-hmm. You know, we always say in running, the first mile is the worst. You feel horrible. Your breathing's out of whack. All that's yeah. what you're going to have to go through all that. To get to your peak performance, where if if you've already done all that before, you can be at your peak performance almost instantly, depending on how close you time that. And that's why I say write it down. Yeah. You know, we always had the kids say, "I need 17 minutes." Right. To warm. that way, because most races typically start pretty close to on time. Yep. You know, if you see, we used to always get onto the kids. If if you're standing there 15 minutes before the race starts. You didn't do your warm-up right. That's right. You know, if you look at the fastest athletes, I know you do this. I know Lane does this because he worries me to death half the time. Landon does this, worries me. You know, we'll be at a track meet, and they're lining up for the race, and my kids are nowhere to be found. (laughs) It's because they've timed their warm-up, and they'll show up at the start line almost as the gun's going off. Yep. And it's for that reason. They know that if that engine's hot and they're sweating – they're going to be at peak performance instantly because every minute that you stand there before the race starts, your warm-up declines and declines and declines. Yep. And it's best to have it right at the race start. Yep. And from a cool-down perspective, just real quick, cool-downs, you, you want to make sure that you do cool-downs because you want to flush. You're going to, you're going to get a lot of lactate in your muscles, and it's going to, that's going to create some soreness. But if you do the cool down that you need it'll flush some of that stuff out so mm-hmm. cool downs are important not necessarily for that day and they don't necessarily prevent injuries that day but they will prevent a little bit of soreness and a little bit of injury later mm-hmm. and uh that's that's really important all right it is time for dean's thoughts and that's a time when i share something that i've written about the intersection between running and faith well have you ever been skydiving Well, some people do it to the extreme, and I'm going to talk about a couple of them right here. This is called It is Part of the Process. 
Joseph Kittinger was a bit of an adrenaline junkie before the term was even invented. In 1960, he set a record by by flying a balloon higher than anyone had ever done to that point in history. His altitude, 102,800 feet. That altitude took him to the edge of space. Airplanes did not have the ability to fly that high. But just getting to that altitude wasn't enough. Once there, he jumped out of that balloon to set the record for the highest skydive ever. He also set a record for going 614 miles per hour in his freefall. It was an incredible record that stood for 52 years until a man named Felix Baumgartner broke it when he jumped from an altitude of over 127,000 feet and nearly reached the speed of sound on his freefall from literally the stratosphere. Joseph Kittinger's amazing jump didn't come easily. During one of his earlier jumps from over 75,000 feet, he went into a spin and lost consciousness as he fell. If not for the automatically opening parachute, he would never have made that higher jump. In addition, when he performed the jump from 102,000 feet, one of his gloves did not seal properly and his hand swelled to twice its regular size just before he jumped. Joseph Kittinger became famous for what he did, but I bet if you ask him, he was even more satisfied with the memory of what he had accomplished, not only despite the setbacks, but because of the setbacks. When we see someone do amazing things, it looks so easy, and everything appears to go smoothly. We don't often hear about the mishaps along the way. Even Felix Baumgartner went into a spin on his jump from the stratosphere and nearly lost consciousness. People who accomplish great things almost always have setbacks during their quest. So, why is it that we get so frustrated when things don't go perfectly when we're trying to accomplish something big? It is time we realized that it's all part of the process. If you have a little knee pain, it may be part of the process. If you have a really miserable run, it is all part of the process. If something comes comes up and throws your schedule in a disarray, realize that it is all part of the process. It is normal. It happens. Get back out there and keep going towards your goal. But the truth is that many of us allow the little distractions to get us off course, and it often leads to quitting altogether. I bet Joseph Kittinger is glad he didn't let the setback of passing out derail him. He figured out how not to let it happen again and moved on toward his goal. You know who else will not allow distractions to get in his way? Jesus. When he walked the earth, there were many distractions. He had an entire community of religious people trying to force him to quit what he was doing. Satan tempted him in the desert, but that didn't stop him. He didn't even let the fact that he was going to die for what he was doing stop him. And I'm so thankful he didn't. How do you look at the obstacles that get in your way of the 5K finish line? What are you doing with the distractions that get in the way of your pursuit of the half marathon finish line? What do you do when the temptation to sin comes your way? It is time we understand that all of these things are part of the process. And not only can we get past them, the fact that we overcome those obstacles will make the reaching the goal even better. The Bible explains that our standard is Christ. We're to be more like him. Well, He didn't let distractions stop him from reaching his goal, and neither should we. Stay on the path, 
overcome the obstacles, and get to the finish line. Joseph Kittinger is glad he kept his focus, and you will be too. That's a great story, Dean. So I got a question, though. What's that? When um, Kittinger, Kittinger, is that how you say it, jumped, mm-hmm. how long did it take him to get back to Earth? How long was that free fall, did it say? Yes, and I don't remember. But it's, Was it like minutes? Yeah, several minutes. It was minutes. Yeah. yeah it was a few minutes. I, I, it yeah. seems like I remember that yeah. when it happened. Now, well, you probably remember Felix Baumgartner. Baumgartner, yeah, that's what yeah. I'm talking about. Yeah, In, in 2012. it was the Red Bull. Yes. It was, the video cameras on the balloon, yeah. They, they, it, was on, it was on the Internet. And the entire thing from yeah. the moment he got in the balloon and prepared and, and went up. And I mean, it, it, the the camera stayed on him as he went up all the way. I mean, what's 127,000 feet is how many miles up into the roughly five miles? No, it's a lot more than that, right? 5,280 5, feet. That's 20 to that's that's that's. Over twenty miles. Um, yeah, you're right. That that yeah, yeah. that yeah. he went up, and that balloon was just basically it's a helium balloon, and it just yeah. it took a long time. And as you get closer, and the air gets thinner, it takes longer, and you can only go so far. You have to have enough helium in it for it to go so far. And I remember it was getting to the point where he was about to start coming down. That's why he stopped where he stopped because <clears throat> the balloon was no longer going to go up. Yeah, you're right. 24 few, miles. It took a few hours for him to uh, and a few minutes to, to get, get back. Up. Yeah, and then just a few minutes to get back. But I remember watching it because he was in space. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. In space. Yeah, you could see the curvature and I mean he was yes. in black. Yeah. Yes. I remember that. Yeah, that's one of the things they said about Joseph Kittinger. They say that he was the first because it was in nineteen sixty, this was before space travel. Yeah. He was the first person to to actually be high enough to be able to see the curvature of the earth. Right. Um yeah, just just really cool. Just really cool. Um and I, I these guys went through some serious things. I mean Joseph Kittinger would have died if he didn't have an automatically opening suit uh, uh, shoot. He would have died, and most people would have said that's that's good enough. Yeah, that's yeah. I, I passed out, almost died. Yeah, I, I don't need this. to do that. Yeah, but I think we saw with Jerry's story. Yeah, you know, Jerry. It looked like she should quit. Yeah, but she. Didn't. Everybody was saying, you yeah. know, just do this another time. But the story she has now sure. is incredible, and I think that's so important. We got we've got to find when when we when we set a goal and we're convinced that God's got us on that path. Um, why do we think God's got us on the path? And then when something gets in the way, we stop. We go, oh, maybe God didn't have me on that path. Mm-hmm. Well, you were convinced about it, mm-hmm. um, so we're all guilty of this. But uh, we got to find got to find our true north when it comes to wherever it is we're headed and keep the compass on it sure and keep going you know for us from a spiritual standpoint you know that's that's the bible it's following what the bible tells us mm-hmm. and um yeah we should be able to to stay on that path um i know when uh you know for me uh, we all have a, a comfort zone i know for me whenever things are going haywire i love to go for a run Mm-hmm. You know when things aren't going the other you know, the other day when uh, unfortunately we we had some 
septic tank issues at my house. Mm-hmm. And um, I, unfortunately, I found out about the septic tank issues after I had gone for a run because I sure could have used a run while we were in the middle of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but we should feel that comfort, too, whenever we open the pages sure. of that Bible, right? Um, so don't give up too easily um, and and understand that staying on the path is worth it. Yeah. As a Christian runner, you might find it hard to decide what to listen to while you run. If you are looking for positive and Christian music that will help you keep your pace, check out the Radioactive Station on the new J Radio. We'll take care of picking the music so that you can concentrate on your run. Plus, you can count on us to make sure that the music is uplifting and encouraging. Check out JRadio.com or download the app in your app store. We're back, and every week I share a reason why running and or walking is so awesome. And here's a really good one. I mean, I don't know if you ever thought about this. It's really important, though. If there's ever a zombie apocalypse, we're in good shape. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's like the old saying goes, you know, if there's a bear, Mm -hmm. I don't... I don't have to be faster than the bear. Mm-hmm. I just got to be faster than you. <laughs> yeah. uh, and that, that's the case with the zombie apocalypse. Yeah. You, know? you just got to be faster than the people around you. And if you're running and you're especially a distance runner, you can probably go on for a long way, too. So, uh. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like you said that. The uh, I don't know if you ever heard this story, but one of the big ultra guys in Chattanooga, I mean, he runs ultra marathons. He's, he's one of these crazy long distance guys. Well, he works at uh, Rock Creek Outfitters, or he did at the time. Have you heard this story? I don't think so. He uh, he works at Rock Creek Outfitters, and um, so somebody came in one day and grabbed a pair of something, I don't know what it was, and took off out the door, stealing it. Well, this guy gets behind him, and this guy's just trucking along and trucking along and trucking along, <laughs> and... This is the story. I don't I don't know the guy, but they say he was running behind the guy and he said, Look, buddy, I can do this all day long. You might as well just go ahead and stop. And the guy stopped. And they called the police. But that it kinda of reminded me of that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, could you could you could you imagine being a fly on the wall in that scenario? I mean, this guy's probably never run in his life. Yeah. And he's trying to outrun this ultra marathon runner and the guy's like Probably not even breathing hard. Just yeah. like, buddy, I can do this all day long. I would Give be, it up. I wish I had that on film. That would be great, <laughs> yeah. wouldn't it? Yeah. Well, do you remember that? Uh, how you got fired up about that whole AI thing a few weeks ago? I did. Well, I got fired up about a totally different, but much less controversial topic. Um, there was an article this week in the New York Times. And um, basically, this is what it said. It said that the newer running shoes are not helping to prevent injuries at all that the injury rates for people are just as bad as they were back in the 70s. And therefore, the technology in running shoes is basically a waste. I did not realize that the New York Times weighs in on these types of things. Yeah, well... (laughs) um, That's the first red flag. Yeah, I was going to say, well, as we've seen over the last few years, New York Times has been wrong about a lot lately um you know it used to be the standard and now it's kind of a punchline um because they're wrong so often now and uh this is just another one of those things um this is some of the stuff from the article it says um the, the article was titled what 
what you do and don't uh, need. Uh, I don't know if that's a anyway. <laughs> Here, here's one of the things that it says. It's tempting to believe the right sneakers will help you run faster or avoid injury. Here's what experts know, and it goes into all this stuff. The fact that they use the word sneakers. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I said the same thing. Are you in the fourth grade? How yes. Come on. Yes. The fact that, they that, use... that discredits it right there. That's right. Don't from, read anymore. From that point forward, you know everything else you're reading <laughs> is a bunch of hooey. Um, you know what? AI probably created that article. <laughs> well, it had somebody's name on it. I won't mention it, but uh, it said uh, it, it, another time. What what makes a running shoe a running shoe? It says traditional running sneakers are designed to blunt the impact of hitting the ground and providing traction. Said Jeff Burns, a sports physiologist for the United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee in Colorado Springs. So basically. Um, this, they're describing what running shoes are. And then it, the next question was, do specialized running shoes actually do what they claim? So he's not saying that Jeff Burns. No, no, no. This isn't okay. the guy that, yeah. Yeah, because I know of that guy. Do you? Yeah. Okay. Well, this says, do they actually do what they claim? So shoe companies invest a great deal of money in biomechanical research. And Allison Gruber, an associate professor of kinesiology and biomechanics researcher uh, at Indiana University Bloomington. However... Marketing departments and running store clerks often oversell certain features, especially to newer runners, said Dr. Klein and Dr. Kevin Vincent, a physio, I don't even know what that word is, (laughs) and director of the University of Florida Health Running Medicine Center. Basically, what the article goes on to say is that because the injury rates are very similar today as they were back in the 70s, that um, obviously running store clerks, as they pointed out, threw them under the bus, um, and marketing departments are overselling these things, and people are buying stuff they don't need, and it's hurting them. Now, I think there's a tiny hint of truth to that, but not nearly as much as they made it out to be. Um, so my whole my gaping hole that I'm going to poke in that yeah. is so they're, they're saying injury rate. So a percentage of the number of runners right. are getting injured. Well, in the 70s, you didn't have millions and millions of people entering the sport like you do today. That's right. I mean, the Run for God community as a whole, their injury rates are higher than back in the 70s. But the only people running back in the 70s were the crazy people like you that That's right. they just That's right. ran just to be running. We They didn't really understand as much as they do today about all the health benefits. So more people are entering the sport. So sure, the rate of injury is going to be higher when more people who have never done it before are entering the sport. Well, what they're saying is the injury rate is the same. Which tells me, that is good. Yeah, that tells me running shoes are working, right? Because, like you said, that was my first thought: was the running population in the seventies and today they don't even look. I like just the same don't group like it when people take swaps at this. I mean, there's doctors out there that, and I am not a doctor, but there's doctors out there that their default go to is stop running. Yep, and but. Okay, let's let's take those same people back in the seventies who weren't running, who are are getting shin splints today. They were dying of heart disease 
back in the seventies, so, which right. is worse. Right. You know, I, yep. I don't, I don't like it when people make these blanket swaps at this sport, trying to say that this sport is somehow bad for you. It's not. I'm glad to see you're getting fired up about it too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just, you know, it's yeah. it's people sneakers. The per- I, I want the person don't know anything about this sport. This person is not a runner who wrote this article. Yeah, I could be wrong, but if you use the Probably word sneakers. Not. You're probably not a runner. Yep. And I don't mean to stereotype. If you use the word sneakers out there, I'm sorry. <laughs> but if you're writing an article in the New York Times, you need to be more educated than uh, this. Totally, totally agree. And, you know, there's, they may, may, here's the only thing that I'll say about running shoes and about running shoes contributing to injuries. I will say that because running shoes are so much softer than they used to be, mm-hmm. people tend to run with poor running form more than they used to. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a running shoe in the past used to kind of force you into running um, mm-hmm. with a more proper form because they weren't as cushioned as they are today. And now you can land on that heel now a lot harder and get away with it mm-hmm. because it doesn't hurt as much, but it's still tough on your body. Sure. And so I could see that. Um, but several, a couple other things they had in there. They, they talked about super shoes and how um, – you know, super shoes don't help everybody. I think we all know that. I don't know why they felt. Again, it's like they're they're saying. It, it, I don't know what they're trying. I don't know what the. Well, I, I get the what they're was. saying. I mean, there there is a little credibility in the statement that you know marketing departments and and shoe stores oftentimes will put you in the wrong shoe. That's why we say in our shoe section. I mean, chapter two of every challenge we have. We say in there, or we say it in the video, I think, that if you walk in and the shoe salesman says, what color do you want, you need to turn around and leave because that person doesn't know what they're doing. Right. Yes. Can the wrong pair of shoes get you injured? Absolutely. But it's not because the shoe manufacturers are viciously making these shoes to perform better without without looking at injury at all. I mean, their R&D departments are putting millions yeah. Into finding out how shoes can not only make you faster, but safer. Because if their MO was to get people hurt, they're not going to be in the running shoe business right. very long. So right. I don't know. Well, and I think, I mean, there, there, there's a little bit of truth to, to a lot of this stuff. But but a lot of it is just individualized. And let me give you an example of what well, I Well, that's mean usually that. the problem. There's yes. a little bit of truth, and they say that's the truth. That's exactly right. Yeah. And so the, here's the example that I would use. They say that running shoes are good for 300 to 500 miles. I get probably 700 yeah. to 800 miles out of my shoes. Um, but that's me. Right. That doesn't mean everybody can do that. And my biomechanics allow for my shoes to last longer. For some people, they won't last that long. Mm-hmm. Um, we both know Rebecca Poe has been on this podcast right. before. I don't know that Rebecca can get 300 miles out of a pair of shoes. You're the exception, not the rule. That's right. And we need to put... The rules out there, yeah. And then if you become the exception, so be it. Recognize that and move on. But we don't need to shine the light on the exceptions and say, "Oh, this discredits everything." That's right, and that's that's what I feel like experts do these days. I feel like that this is in general in society in general these days that the so-called experts they go into something trying to prove a point, and they don't take every like for example, this you saw the exact same gaping hole that I saw. Right off the bat, mm-hmm. that the running population is so different now than it's ever been. Why would you think 
How would how do you compare those two? Yeah. You know, that's like that's like taking um, you know somebody who was you know in my case, I'm 15 years old in the 70s, right? And today I'm 57, um, and I'm going to compare. Mm-hmm. What I did then to what I do now? No, yeah. I'm a whole different person. Sure, it's just, you can't compare the two, and that's, I feel like that's what experts do a lot of this these days, and it's gotten to the point now where you can't really trust almost any study. Well, that's it's why we we talked about in the podcast the Yasso 800s mm-hmm. has been tried now. Is double threshold going to be the new next big thing? I don't know, but. There's so many experts out there right now are saying, do away with the Yasso 800s. Mm-hmm. Do this. Yeah. Look, no. No. Uh, it's the, This is the newest, greatest running shoe. We're not going to throw away all of our the, – the shoe, the, the, the Saucony Canvaras. You're not going to throw those away for this new thing. Now, you might buy this new one, and you're going to try it out. But when you when you do that, you're asking for injury. Yeah. And and when we make these blanket statements, we're just we're we're asking for controversy. Yep. And there is nothing wrong with the newest shoe or the newest workout. I mean, that's how we've innovated as a sport. But you don't you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You yep. you proceed cautiously. You know, it all kind of reminds me of the Gatorade study. We're still, and again, please don't, don't take this completely. Out of context, the Gatorade study basically had everybody drinking way more than they had to drink, mm-hmm. and have everybody convinced that if I don't, if if I'm going out for four miles, I got to have a bottle of water in my hand, or you got to have a Gatorade in your or hand, or I'm gonna die. Yeah, you know, and and that's not true. Right. And uh, but today, that's a study that was done in I want to say it was somewhere around 1980 ish. No, 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 90ish, somewhere around. In the eighties, and um, we still believe it today. That that. Well, I mean, what is it you say all the time? Uh, statistics say that eighty five percent of statistics are made up on the spot. <laughs> I mean, it seems so true nowadays. But uh, yeah, just be careful with your information. Don't absolutely. Yeah. Well, here's what I know about running shoes: is by gosh, I'm old. I ran in running shoes back then, and I run in running shoes today. And I know I'm a hundred percent sure running shoes are more helpful today than sure. they were back then. No question about it. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. How about a trivia question for this week? This one is in honor of somebody who passed away recently, and uh, so I'm going to ask him ask about him in this uh, question. In track and field, there's a technique invented by an American high jumper in the 1960s. The technique is named after him. What is that technique called? I'm trying to pull it up. <laughs> I've heard it, but I can't remember it right now. Yeah, this is a, it's an interesting story and an interesting guy. And um, uh, it, it, if you know the answer to that story, what is the... It's basically the technique that they use in high jumping. Almost every person mm-hmm. who does the high jump these days. So if you know the answer, send it to Dean at RunForGod.com. Be the first one to, to send that in and win some cash in the Run For God store. Sure. So, uh, yep, do that. Well, let's leave you with this motivational thought of the week. This comes from Mother Teresa. I like this one. The miracle is not that we do this work, but that we are happy to do it. Hmm. And that remind us of several things we've gone through. Sure, in this absolutely. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, it's the attitude with which we do things that matters. All right, so if you didn't do it at the outset of this podcast, click that share button right now. Give us a five-star review. Write a, write a comment about what you think and, and help us get the word out about this podcast. I think it's important. Amen. Now until next week, may God bless every step of every run and or walk. Go out there and shine your light. Good job, Dean. For more information about the Run for God ministry, go to runforgod.com. If you have questions about your salvation, click on the Peace with God tab. There's nothing more important. Thanks for joining us today.